Welcome back to the Cutlass Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to give a shout out to the listeners and the people who support me today. Uh, this week we crossed over 8,000 listens. That doesn't sound like a lot, but when you realize how long it took to get to 8,000 listens, and it's a goal I've kept setting over time, uh, that's important to me and I think uh, it just shows progress and that the listenership continues to build. I hope I'm putting out content that's important to you and that you find useful and relevant. Uh, and we'll keep going. So as part of that, I'll be posting on my Facebook page. Each time I've doubled my listenership, I went to a thousand first and then two thousand, four thousand, eight thousand. I've given away a signed copy of the Chief Petty Officer's Guide to one of my uh, Facebook page subscribers. So I'll be doing that now and I'll post who that is going forward. So thanks again for your support. And if you keep listening and sharing, I'll keep producing content and trying to bring in perspectives that can help you be a more versatile, credible, and sturdy leader. Uh, and that's the philosophy that Cutlass Leadership strives to obtain. So to date, you know, over the 30 or so episodes I've produced, we've talked all kinds of things, right? So it's built off that leadership uh, and management philosophy I talk about that relies on power bases. So we've talked about power bases. We've gotten into influence tactics. We've talked about the importance of communication skills. We've tried to tie it all together with discussions on situational leadership. And I've also gotten into the topic of management and the different functions of management. We'll keep to build on those topics. But I also think it's important, and I like to get different leader philosophies, philosophies, mantras, and, and mindsets that have shaped leaders' success or that former leaders or current leaders have seen that work well to really influence organizations in a positive direction to achieve their objectives. And I think it's good for you to hear those things and to take them in and consider perhaps they align with what you're thinking or perhaps they offer you something to think differently about. And today I'm joined by retired U.S. Air Force Command Chief, Pat McMahon, uh, and he's going to offer his perspective on becoming a leader of consequence. So Pat just completed, he, he retired with over 30 years in the U.S. Air Force, which culminated in his position as the Senior Enlisted Leader for Strategic Command or STRATCOM. Pat, welcome to the Cutlass Podcast. How's everything going for you? Hey, Paul, no, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and, uh, and engage with you, brother. It's always you know, a great opportunity. Obviously, we have a great relationship and looking forward to the conversation and dialogue. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for joining me. And I, when you pitched the topic of becoming a leader of consequence, I thought it was cool. Words have meaning. So I always go to the dictionary. We throw words around. But when I looked up consequence, the dictionary defines consequence as having importance or relevance. So basically, what your philosophy is becoming a leader who has importance or relevance. And frankly, I think that's what all humans are striving to do. They want to have importance or relevance in their life, whether as a leader, whether as a family person, whether as a sibling, a community member. I think that's important. So where did this concept click with you? And when did you start to really develop this as your leadership philosophy? You know, I'd offer like very early on with me, you know, I'd, I'd actually chalk it up. It's, it's probably learned behavior. And I look at it just like you, you know, when you look at, hey, the definition of consequence, you know, one of the things I look at, you know, it talks about, hey, the result or effect of an action or condition. And so, you know, as a professional or as a leader, right, it just kind of reinforces the fact that, you know, we, we tend to need to have a bias for action. And so the learned behavior component, from my perspective, really became, you know, Obviously, most of my adult life, like many of the listeners, you know, spent time with military service. And I kind of look at reality. I can kind of bookend my career, you know, my first five years and my last five years and the impacts consequential leadership had on me. And, and foundationally, you know, looking back over time as a young service member, it really was. It was about having the right leader, right place, right time. 
in, in what they demanded out of you, you know, very early on. You know, it was about you know, how I kind of look at it, the three imperatives, if you will, of consequential leadership. I feel we need to build leaders of character, competence, and then consequence. And so from a character piece, that tends to be the oath we may take, the values, whether it's personal values or institutional values. You know, the competence piece really is both about how do we become experts at our craft as well as build broader expertise from a, from a leadership and, and, and management perspective. And then finally, for, from my perspective, like that consequence, how do we have the ability to make a positive impact, to positively influence our team members around us, to make, you know, to be a significant difference maker? You know, like I said, that philosophy I think I've carried with me most of my life. You know, when I go back to impactful leaders, you know, it probably starts with my father, but throughout my careers, you know, it really is it's about learned behavior really by observing, by how you were treated, by how you were developed. And, and that has really kind of shaped my overall philosophy over time because I think what you learn very early on, and I just fundamentally believe this no matter what organization we're a part of, be it a corporate company, a corporation, a nonprofit, military service, is when you boil it down, people matter, tend to be the competitive advantage of whatever organization you're in. And so I just kind of fundamentally believe if people matter, then our leadership must matter. So... Is this like a results-based leadership style? Like I've heard that before, right? Uh, and it, frankly, I've written in my resume a result-oriented leader, right? You know, I desire—I don't just take a position to to exist there. I want to get things done. I want to make sure my daily input, my efforts, and my influence and management skills contribute to meeting organizational objectives. So, is that kind of a piece of that? Absolutely. You know, when I go back to like my very earliest supervisors that I had, you know, they were very, very quick to kind of point out the why. And to really understand not just, you know, the what you had to be doing, whether that's a specific task, but the why you're doing it. And, and it really is, it, it, to me, it boils down to, you know, what problem are we trying to solve? So from a leadership perspective, I think it's, 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 you know, extremely important for us to sit there and focus. How am I a solution centric leader? Right. And, and that solution may not be you or I coming up with a solution, but it's how do we empower the teammates around us to actually uh, the, our ability to unleash their talent to solve the, the, the really you know critical problems that we're facing. Okay, so what is the advantage that a leader gains or a manager gains, or the results that you've seen achieved by adopting this mindset of becoming a leader of consequence? I think the significant difference, and sometimes you know you, you look at it in respect from like authorities, right? If we are put in charge of something, typically we have a certain amount of authority that comes with that or influence. But I think. When you're a leader that makes a difference, right, there's a caring component that goes into that, you know, and part of that caring is, hey, do I care about what others care about on my team? You know, for me, it's really about how do you have that team first mentality? And so for me, like the, the real advantage of consequential leadership is, once again, it's, it's that piece that is team oriented. It's the ability for us to unleash our talent. And then it really kind of serves as a force multiplier. Because you're, you're not being reliant on you to solve everything. What you really are is you're empowering those around you to get after tough problems. And, and when you do that, when you, like I say, when, when you sit there and focus on the people or your teammates around you, that to me just really enhances that competitive advantage of what consequential leadership is. It can be challenging as well. So let's go on the other side and talk about, you know, what are some examples of what happens when you don't strive to be this leader of consequence? Can you still get the job done? What is lost when you don't adopt this mindset? Or what leadership outcomes have you seen over your career? What does it look like to not be a leader of consequence? 
once again, going back to, hey, what, what does a lack of that produce, right? What's one of the effects or, you know, the causes? And, and you have to admit up front, you know, if, if you want to be a difference maker, if you want to be a leader of consequence, right? That can be both difficult and challenging, right? And in, in, in reality, it's, it's in some respects steeped in uncertainty and steeped in risk. And where I've seen the deficit at, and it kind of goes back to the authority, right? Authority can get you so far. It can get you task oriented. It can get, you know, you to the part of the mission. But as we see in life, right, as we see in the organizations, it's really more than just fulfilling simple tasks, right? It's, it's once again, where are we trying to drive our organization? You know, you sometimes hear the term buy-in, right? And it's not that, hey, as a leader, you're selling anything. But when you have teammates around you, right, and you're committed to the same cause, you know, and you sit there and kind of understand, hey, the vision of where we need to go, the strategy that's going to get us there, and then the means to do that. That is where, you know, you have so much synergy that it takes you much farther than you you can go from simply going, hey, we're going to run a checklist and do this very task oriented kind of, you know, things. Okay. Yeah. I think that uh, your three C's you mentioned before, character, competence, and consequence. So the character and competence I've discussed, I would say extensively on the Cutlass podcast, because those are the two key power bases, your expert power and your personal power base that develop credibility and then the credibility gives you that trust you need from the team that underlies what you just said, the buy-in you need, right? So all day, people can come to work and you can use your positional power to get them to do what you want to do. And they'll do things because they have to, but you want to shift to becoming a leader who gets them to do things because they want to, right? And some of the things you've talked about. So you've got the character, you've got the competence, your organization has perceived character, your organization has perceived competence. So it's a place where they feel it delivers impact and they want to work there, right? And they want to be on that team. And then the next piece is that consequence, right? So to me is they sense a leader who has a vision and wants to do something above and beyond, right? I think that's what it gets to. And then that unleashes some motivation within them to do better for the organization. Do I have that right? Dude, I would offer your spot on, brother. You know, one of the things that, you know, I've used over time and just for background, you know, I, I had the good fortunes almost a decade ago. I was assigned to Shriver Air Force Base. There was a space operations unit I was I was a part of. And so, you know, you learn a little bit about the history and a little bit about the lineage. And, and so it was named for General Bernard Shriver. And, and just for the audience in the background, from military dimension, he's really the kind of the father of, of space flight as well as intercontinental ballistic missiles. But it's actually a quote from General Shriver that I use because to me, it shows the essence of what consequential leadership produces also show kind of the essence of how innovation can drive success. And the the quote kind of goes like this. It says, the world has an ample supply of people who can always come up with a dozen good reasons why a new idea will not work or should not be tried. But it is the people who produce progress that are a breed apart because they have the imagination, the courage, and the persistence to find solutions. You know, I kind of reflect on that a lot because when I think about as leaders that have influenced me over time or trying to develop teams to optimize those teams, it really is about how did, once again, we talked about the unleashing your talent, but how do you allow your people to have the creative imagination, the courage and the persistence to get after those solutions that we need? And so that to me is like a contract where I reflect on and it just to me summarizes where we need to get after. And it just, it's, it always served as a reminder to me. That it, once again, it's reflective of the people around us and how do you get them to really unleash their talent? Yeah. So 
what are the barriers that you've seen, the internal and external barriers? Like in a prior episode, we talked about heroes and villains. So what are the villains that can get in the way of people that may think about or strive to want to be a leader of consequence, but for some reason, they just can't get there? If I was going to name a villain, uh, it would probably be status quo. It, it may be human nature thing, right? But sometimes it's kind of what I refer to as the easy button of life, taking the easy path where when you just measure leadership, right? And I think consequences is, is, is you know, kind of an inferred and implied task when it comes to leadership. It, it's difficult, right? Because if you're really going to be the leader that your people need, that, that our teams need, you have to be willing to kind of expose yourself and take on challenging, challenging problems, right? It's about how do we go out and seek points of friction? And, and like I say, there's a moral courage piece to this. And a lot of people get caught up in, hey, what others may think. And so I think status quo sometimes, you know, it's in some of the cases like, hey, we've always done it this way. So why should we change? And, you know, you've heard this from me before, you know, you just assess, you know, whatever the professionals in the military or just people across whatever organization you may have. Like I said, you could be completely on top of your game. So you could be the, the number one organization, the number one company at whatever you do. And that is good in the moment, but that doesn't mean it's correct or right for tomorrow. And so in reality, from us as professionals or up as leadership, how do we continually hone our craft to get better? And so that villain piece of the status quo, that is an anchor that can drag you down or slow you down. It's the inertia piece. And so in reality, it's how do you move around that obstacle and really kind of to get where we need to go, optimize our organizations to whatever our mission is to fulfill that mission success. So what are some real life examples that people may be able to connect with? Who are some people out there that come to mind when you think of leaders of consequence that people could either research or read more about? I've been really, really fortunate from a, from a professional aspect to have spent some time around some really influential and consequential leaders. Before I get into some of that, you know, one of the things, um, and this was, you know, you, you talked about power and connection power. And this, this happened several years back. You know, I was, I was at a forum for United States Strategic Command. And I was talking to one of the senior officers from one of our coalition partners. And as we're sitting there talking, he kind of reaches over and shows me his phone. And he's like, hey, have you ever read this book? And so one of the greatest leadership books I've ever read was called uh, Legacy by James Kerr. And uh, and, and the, the premise of the book really surrounds the, uh, the All Blacks rugby team down in New Zealand. And it's the winningest team on the planet ever, right? As far as for, you know, championships and victories, et cetera. And why it's so powerful, perhaps maybe it resonates with me because it, it's sports thing and there's some somewhat of a connection there. But when you sit there and, and, and go down there and there's there's 15 lessons they, they go, it, it really resonates with me. So I, I won't sit there and go through all the all the lessons. But one of the ones early on that talks about is like it's called sweep the shed. And it really talks about, hey, it doesn't matter. You could be the best player ever, right? You know, so I, I use a basketball analogy. So, you know, the, the greatest basketball player I've ever watched was Michael Jordan. So he's literally Hall of Famer. He's a, you know, top of his game. But that sweep to sheds is setting the right example for those behind you, right? And not in the willingness to take on the small tasks. And, and I think that's just fundamentally important. So when, when you look at influential books, how to get after things, the book Legacy and then just from my experiences over the last, you know, five, six, seven years in my career, I've had the good fortune of working for some phenomenal leaders. When I got hired at United States Strategic Command, uh, Admiral Haney was our commander at the time. I learned something from Admiral Haney actually before I was his command senior enlisted leader. Because I was a part of that command, 
he would often bring in, you know, we, we come up there a couple times a year and he shared his philosophy, kind of his expectations of leaders. In this case, he was talking about his combatant commands, most senior leaders. But, I, you know, but I, I think it applies to all of us. And, and it, what he really required is his expectations of us. I'll be honest, you know, quite candidly, I just hijacked this and I, and I share it and I give him full credit. But the things, his expectations of leader centered around six things. And I, and I use it to try to kind of sit there and, and use it as kind of lines of effort from a leadership perspective, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier. There's six caveats, if you will, is, you know, the ability to be a critical, independent thinker, the ability to have a strategic communications approach, our ability to use assessments, you know, so whether that's critical thinking skills, it's lessons learned, it's, it's red teaming, so to speak, our ability to master the art of communication, mentorship and resiliency. And so from like, consequential leaders in what you learn and it's, it's it's it really is it's it's not just hey sometimes we see the world from where we sit but then also it's important to have kind of that wider field of view that enterprise view and so how i've kind of focused over time i think it's really important for leaders at every level right and it, and it goes back to some of the things you spoke about earlier I, I think it's really important for us to remain strategically focused while being operationally relevant and then tactically brilliant or tactically competent at our craft you kind of keep in line with those efforts. And so those are some of the things that have influenced me over time. And, you know, I kind of center my, my beliefs around when it comes to philosophy and, and execution of, of a leadership style. Yeah. So when I go back to a little bit about these barriers, I was just uh, jot a note down about position power base and the importance of that. So you don't over rely on that power base is the only way to get things done, but don't underappreciate the things your position gives you, right? So in the things your position gives you is authorities. It gives you influence over people who can help you achieve your goals. And it gives you, frankly, that legitimate power to have a vision and take teams to higher levels. And I think some people get in positions and underappreciate that and don't really use the scope of influence that that position provides. And as I've talked before, you've got all kinds of other power bases that you use to complement that position power, right? And you got to use the right leadership approach for the time and the situation, you've got to have good communication skills. But just sitting in your position right now, I think a question to ask is like, am I taking full advantage of the position I've got to make things better, right? And I think if you get in a position and just want to do good things, or like I say, just give a shit and move things in a forward direction at a good pace, right? You can't do it all at once. I think that's a great mindset to come into to start to become a leader of consequence. So what are your thoughts on that, Pat? Brother, I am in violent agreement with you on that approach because it is it, you know that the positional influence and the power piece you're talking about is important and i think what comes with that too is access and so you may be have access to a very senior leader within your organization and what, what that allows you to do right is to share that access with the broader team around you and it, it allows you to sit there and, and synergize and get that alignment that you need. So when the organization is moving in the direction, you know, it goes about, hey, how do we communicate that? How do we, you know, build the trust that you need? How do you gain that shared understanding that that's required? And it's it, the same thing. It does, it's not dependent on, hey, you may happen to work for a four-star senior officer or a senior civilian in some organization. Once again, I'll just go back to my learned behavior. I remember very early on in my career as a young junior enlisted member, you know, one of my supervisors dragging me to these somewhat senior meetings at the time and, and just being exposed to that, in, in my case, almost literally a fly on the wall, right? You're just sitting there and, and just observing and taking everything in. And as I reflect on that, in the ability to learn by listening, by observing, by seeing just different 
thoughts and perspectives and, and just opinions, it really helps shape you over time. And so what do you do with that access? You know, it's, it's the same thing we see, you know, as, as leaders, sometimes you go around your organization. Well, if you're going to meet people or discuss or open up lines of communication with people, you're not doing that in the mode of a tourist, right? You have to have an objective behind that. As leaders, how do you become the sensor that your organization needs so that you can feed what's going on to that organization, to decision makers that actually need the ability to understand what's going on? And I think that it goes with you, your earlier take. Yeah, and I uh, that concept of access is important. If I go back and look at my career and positions I've held, you know, I had some great access, some great leaders, you know, as a fleet mass chief, I had access to, you know, the commander of fleet force, command of four star, mass chief petty officer of the Navy, all kinds of other external stakeholders inside and out, all kinds of people that could help us get the mission done. And any regrets I had was because I didn't use the access I had either because I didn't know, you know, where, who I could go after. Um, or who I could go to for help, or frankly, in some cases, subscribe to a kind of a defeatist attitude of like, well, it's been tried before to the point you made earlier. It's been tried before, so why not try it? And I've been fortunate to have people that came behind me, and I gained that inspiration and that source of inspiration from people who were relying on me to use that access and that influence that that brought to become that leader of consequence. So I don't think we're ever able to do it to our full extent. I guarantee all all leaders, you could probably go to great leaders in history, and they will all tell you that they all thought they could do more. But I think to become a leader consequence, you just got to pause and reflect on the access you're provided, the tools of influence you have, and just really learn to use those things to your full advantage. So Pat, what's your advice today on three things a person can do to start become a leader of consequence? You know, I think for starters, right, it's just the ability to recognize the advantage of, of being a consequential leader. You know, one of the, the three things, you know, almost not necessarily lines of effort, but that I really kind of have traction with me is I always felt it was important to have passion, energy, and then commitment, right? And, and going back to like the passion piece, it's, it's some of the things we talked about is it's understanding the why and the ability to articulate that. It's about sharing that understanding. Where do we fit in? What's our value proposition with our organization? You know, the energy I've always looked at is about, it really is about a positive attitude. And then the right level of effort, you know, and, and I, you know, I've used this on myself. I go, I'm a big believer in, hey, what you lack in talent, you make up in heart and effort. And so really positive energy to decide going, hey, this is the direction and this is the way we need to go. And there's those communication traits that come with that. And then finally, the commitment piece, it's, it's the cultivating trust. It's the empowering your force. It's that team first piece. It's that caring, right? Specifically, our ability to be empathetic, our ability to care what others care about is so important because I think when we look and why these three things and, and I, this, why I find this advice helpful for myself is if you look at an organization and a trust deficit happens to exist, that can be extremely detrimental to the good and the mission success of an organization. And to me, if you focus on those three things, it, it can really keep you locked in. But there has to be a desire to do that. There's an individual aspect to this, right? And I think you kind of hit on it, right? Is when you reflect or, or kind of do a, you know, a postmortem of certain positions you may have held or different organizations, you know, you can sit there and probably be pretty, even through a critical lens, go, Hey, I, I should have changed this or perhaps I could have done that better. And I think that's a smart way to look at it. But I think the recognition as professionals is like, how do we become lifelong learners, right? If you feel like, Hey, I don't need any help with leadership. You probably just need to do a more critical view in the mirror in the morning because 
you learn, you learn from all, I mean, not just the great examples that I've been, had the good fortune in my career. You know, sometimes you sit there and some of your best life lessons, if you will, are from the failures or from the failures of other or people that may have not done it well. You know, it's really about, hey, how do you like to be treated and what's the best way to treat those around you? Yeah, that piece on energy and passion matters or resonates with me a lot because a lot of us come into jobs energized, um, wanting to do good things. And then like one of my boss and I used to talk about, you know, you move up in the organization and your ability to influence things, you can do it, but it becomes more challenging because there's so many things competing against that. So at the strategic level, right, you got budgetary pressures, you got organizational inertia and bureaucracy and all these things. And he would always say, hey, we may suit up and crash in the line. And some days we're going to gain an inch or two. Some days we're going to get knocked back. But the important thing is we come back with energy and we suit up and we crash back in the line. But we all have limits, right? So there comes a time when whether it's disappointment or just over time, right, you become cynical, you'll lose your energy and passion. And at that point, you're just holding that seat. And I think you've lost that ability to become a leader of consequence. So finding ways to either regenerate that energy and passion is important or to recognize once you've lost it, it's time to move off to something else and gain that energy and passion back. And I think for anyone who's been a military professional or in any other profession, you often hear, when did you know it was time to retire? I think the point is when you lost your energy and passion and you know that, hey, I'm only going to be now a detriment and I'm not going to be able to unleash the full talent of the team. So thoughts on that, Pat? No, I actually, I think you made some exceptional points, really exceptional points. You know, as, as, as I listening to you and thinking, you know, you're right. Hey, if, if you're no longer value added to your organization, then once again, it's probably time to make that assessment and perhaps move in another direction. But, but I also feel like where there's an advantage, if we're building, developing and cultivating consequential leaders around us, right? They should be challenging us. You should have that, you know, it shouldn't be once again, the one-way street, right? You should be able to sit there and, and taking feedback in from all directions. And if you have the right teammates around you, because you've empowered them to challenge you, with that challenge is going to come innovative thought, innovative ideas. And that's where really that spark ignites. And so I think if we sit there and do things in a vacuum and become very insular, you know, there's a chance that we become the deficit, right? We become the, the limiting factor for organizations. But if we built the team around us, in the correct way, then we should always be able to sit there and go, hey, how do we sit there and continually adapt and evolve? You know, and so as professionals, I think it's it's not just understanding the dynamics of today, but it's also the willingness to sit there and, and kind of look over the horizon and go, hey, what are going to the demands of the future? And and to me, when, when I think of consequential leadership and when I think of the different organizations, it's not just about, hey, do I, if I train my replacement, you know, we hear that a lot. I think that's, you know, obviously exceedingly important, but have we really built in the kind of enduring competencies that we need that we're building our replacements, replacements, replacement? You know, one yeah. of the, one of the analogies I used to use in different forms is, you know, and, I, and I, in, in reality, I, you know, try to be cute. Now I'd use the term, hey, does anybody know who the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is going to be in the year 2035? And typically you get zero hands up because obviously that was looking 15, 17 years in the future. And so kind of my punchline was be because I know, I actually know who that was because she was a graduated battalion commander in the year 2017. And my whole point with this analogy is the fact that those future senior most leaders are probably already embedded in our organization today. 
if we truly want to be a consequential leader, how are we outfitting them? How are we challenging them? How are we ensuring that they have the right knowledge, skills, and abilities to be prepared for the future while still executing in today's environment? And to me, just boil that down to a critical advantage of if you're a leader of consequence. It's to be able to sit there and do that enduring talent management matching, so to speak. Awesome. All right. So I think we'll wrap it up on that note. Uh, I think this has been insightful. I hope our listeners find something out of that. Thanks for taking time to share that philosophy with us, Pat. I look forward, maybe we'll do another session and uh, hit another topic up. So good luck to you. No, I really appreciate it, brother. And Paul, as always, man, you're, I mean, you're a great friend, you're a great teammate and, and a mentor as well, man. So I, lo- I love our engagements. I love our dialogues, whether it's on a podcast or phone call or, or via text. So I really appreciate your time and your listeners' time as well. Thanks again and take care. All right, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the Cutlass Podcast. If you want to learn more about the topic we've discussed today or in any other episodes, as always, you can check out the Chief Petty Officer's Guide. You can go back. We've touched on prior episodes that connect to this and just try to tie it all together. Uh, I'm always looking for your feedback or topic suggestions, so you can email me at cutlassleadership at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the Cutlass Podcast on your podcast channel. Like it, share it, comment, do all those kind of things so you can help me get this content out and about. And let's get those listens up to. 16,000 for uh, our next milestone. So I'm Paul Kingsbury. Work hard to keep your leadership cutlass sharp, reflect and improve, and take what you've learned to become a sturdy, versatile, incredible leader who makes a positive difference and has consequence in your life.